A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Music in My Life with me, Laura Wright, the show where we talk about the music we love so much, our relationship with that music and the role it plays in our life. What is it about music that taps into our emotions and why does it make us feel a certain way? Today I'm joined by English singer-songwriter Newton Faulkner and I'm before I tell everyone how incredible you are, even though they already know, we were just talking about your setup, what you're doing at the moment. Do you want to tell everyone sort of where you are? You're doing a writing day today, is that right? How's it all going? Um, yeah, I'm writing for Janet Jedlin today, with with and for. So sometimes I write with for me, and sometimes I write with for other people. Uh, but this is one that, yeah, this this stuff will be for her to do with whatever she chooses. Uh, and I'm also building the setup for the next tour. So yeah, because obviously this is you've talked about. You know, you've got new music coming out quite soon, and obviously I know I was reading a little bit about that music and the fact that you've kind of enjoyed the process of of being away, not being away from people, but how lockdown has created an, a sort of musical environment for you. How how has it been? How's that been working and and writing music? It was just like all the challenges that it threw up, and all of the kind of habits that I just couldn't indulge in because. They just weren't available to me. So I think with a lot of things in the past, if I needed drums, I'd be like, all right, who do I know that's really good at drums? Like, he's good, he's good. He's probably better for this. And then I'd give them a ring. I'd get them to maybe come in or maybe go to their studio and do it with them there. And it, the main motivation for that would be time. But time just wasn't an issue. For the first time in my entire career, like usually when I say, when does, when does this need to be done by? I'm usually told, well, he said it was going to be done four weeks ago. So can you just go a bit of a move on? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's been since, since I started. So that's since, what well, was the first time? I was like 22 or something. So that's what I'm used to. And then this time around, I was like, when does this need finishing? And they're like, well, it, it doesn't. We don't know when the tour is. We don't know when we're releasing the album. Yeah. Just chip away at it, see what happens, which was just the polar opposite experience to anything I'd done before and meant I could approach things in a completely different way. So with a lot of the drums, there was one track where I got, actually no, two tracks, one really early on where I got a drummer to send some stuff because I couldn't, I was just wanted to, I wanted to suss out the groove. And he sent me some stuff from his studio. Also, Troy Miller, who's an un- he's stupidly good. He's one of the best drummers in the world. He sent a drum track, which I'm really glad I got to do. I think that was the right thing to do for that track. But with a lot of others, I was like, right, this is, this is the track. I know exactly what I want the drums to do. 
I'm not technically capable of doing it yet. But if I dig in, I reckon it'll only take about three weeks. So I just learned to do things better. And yeah. so it's so interesting. So many people I've spoken to have felt very similar. And although some people I've spoken to have said at the start, I actually found it really hard to be creative because I'd never been faced with this sort of length of time and space to think, yeah. which can be quite scary, actually, can't it? It'd be quite ominous. But actually, as you rightfully say, you can look at things a different way. You can you can really take your time and procrastinate, I think, as all artists like to do over the, the minutiae and small things. But you can also just go with something in the hope that actually you're coming at it from a completely different space. And I, I suppose I wonder, you know, you mentioned obviously all that time ago when you were releasing your first music and how well that did. As an artist, do you feel like your your music shifted and changed, but it's fundamentally remained the same? Or do you feel like you're you're still kind of figuring that out as you go along? I feel like there was there was a line going up to the best of, which was not last year but the year before. Mm-hmm. Or was it the year before that? Oh, God. Uh, anyway, it came out at some point. Um, up to that, up to that point, there was a very similar vibe and thing that I was doing that was part of that process, and I felt like hit the ground. I got to where I wanted to get to. And then after, after that, we did the best of, and then what, what I kind of treat the best of as like an absolute line in the sand. I feel like it's that kind of time period and that thought process lasted that amount of time and got to that point, and that's, that's that. Everything after that is going to turn one way or the other and just go get somewhere else yeah and definitely took off any of the kind of and they're quite self-imposed in some ways parameters in terms of what I thought I was allowed to do musically Mm -hmm. and just went with whatever felt right so if you look at something like Sinking Sand it's something I wrote a little while ago but didn't didn't feel like I could release it didn't feel like it was something so interesting. Did you feel a slight amount of pressure to sort of not t- take that right that right angle in your music? Yeah, well, I forced myself into a position where it was an absolute necessity. And that was something on purpose that I did to myself. Yeah. So <laughs> while I was doing the best of, every time I went out and talked about it, I said, this is the end of this time period and what I do afterwards will be different. It's terrifying. It was a totally terrifying thing to do to myself. Because I'd gone out and I told every journalist in the country that the next thing I did was going to be different, which is pretty full on um, (laughs) kind of mental setup for the album. But then I think it had to be. I think I'd done I'd done everything I could do with that process, and then moving forwards, I was definitely I was playing a huge amount more electric. I'd got way more into production stuff than than I had done before. I got to the point where I was actually producing singles, which I'd never done before. I couldn't even dream of doing that when I'm but the first the first track I ever produced was Long Shot on my third album. Right. Then I produced an entire album completely on my own, which was terrifying. And then kind of went on to do other things and work like I worked with a few other people on human love, which was very big, very kind of 
very electronic, especially like drum-wise, loads of drums, endless drums. I was using a lot of um, a lot of stuff that's used for film and computer game soundtrack. It's almost quite not cinematic, but expansive. Yeah, expansive and kind of tribal, and it had it had a it had a thing to it. That that was that was great, and then. I felt like each thing was kind of like a piece of the puzzle. So it was like when I was doing Studio Zoo, I really learned how I liked to record my guitar and voice. And the only way to really get into that was to do a whole whole album of just that, which is exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. And that was amazing because then I could take that and add things to it, which is what I did with Human Love. And that was maybe went too far the other way. So I think it was kind of too production-led and there wasn't as much emphasis on on the writing and vocally it was kind of just whatever happened i don't really remember thinking about the vocals on that album because it was more about the vocal production than the individual vocals themselves and does that go back does that go back to what you were saying actually before we started recording but that sort of thing where you wanted to get those three things to the same level right yeah no it definitely well it all mixes mixes in together so when i was about 19 i set myself the challenge of trying to because obviously I started out as an instrumental guitarist so then after that when I started writing I wanted to get my writing on the same level as the playing Mm. and then I started singing and I wanted to get the singing on the same level as both of those and even with those three things I kept myself very busy for a very long time because with each little leap in any one of them you have to go yeah you have to go back and grab something else and yank it up so if I felt like my playing was falling behind, I'd really dig into playing. Like I'd do nothing but play guitar for a few months if possible and then get that up and then go back to writing and singing again. And vocally I've covered loads of ground over the, over the years I've learned. I've probably put, probably put more time into singing than I have playing now, but I think it's a much, it's a much harder instrument to really get a grasp of. Because it is like a, a guitar, you can see it, it's there. You can go over and do the things. And you can really feel when you're doing it wrong, whereas vocally you can do stuff that feels great until yeah. you try and do it for an entire tour and completely destroy yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. And also I think the emotional side of it, you know, it, it shows in your voice, you know, from the word go. And, and that's actually, I wanted to ask you that, you know, looking forward to, Obviously, and I'm sure you've been asked this question before, but when you're going to be out on stage next, you're going to be touring, you know, new music. And what do you think it's going to feel like? Is it because I know I did my first performance in front of a live audience very recently and it it was quite terrifying, I'll be honest. (laughs) How do you think you're going to feel? Well, I've done I've done one socially distanced tour so far. I did that a couple of weeks ago. Okay, and how, what was it like? Like, what what was the what were people like? What was the environment like? Yeah. How did you feel off? It's really interesting. You get two different types of people that ask two completely different kind of leaning questions. So, if someone's not a performer, they just ask, "Oh, it must have been amazing and incredible to get back out there." And then if it's someone that's already done a socially distanced tour. They're like, oh, I see you did a socially distanced tour. Are you all right? Are you all right? Because <laughs> it is weird. Because It's very weird. That, I mean, I was playing venues that I did sold out. I mean, they were still quite small when they were completely packed. So going back, I mean, going 
going back like a good seven or eight years, but I'm doing the same venues with less than 15% of the capacity in them. And that's weird. That's a weird thing to do. And it's very yeah. hard not to, not to look at as some kind of failure on my part. Even, even though I'm 100% aware of the actual situation, but there's a bit of my brain that was like, there is an entire empty row in row four. What did I do wrong? <laughs> to deserve this slight. What did I do I mean, wrong? Yeah, what have I done? Yeah, it's very strange. And the, the biggest difference was with the social, the, like the actual social distancing, but so the space between people, there comes a lack of anonymity, which is what mm. is what crowds need to to not feel like they're being watched, which is a huge part of what's happening when you're playing live. Is they're yes, yes. watching me and they're very unaware of the fact that I'm watching them. The things that you see people do in the front row of big gigs is just astonishing. Like they really, yeah. they're just on receive and they completely forget they have any kind of transmitting capabilities. And <laughs> I, have, I have to say, being in the classical world, it's much less uh, interesting sometimes what you see. <laughs> Maybe you see someone have a hanky or something, you know, out their top pocket, but that's about it. So. <laughs> oh, no, you see people do all kinds of stuff. They just completely forget. But I think it's partly because everyone's crammed in as well. So if people are like, squished in they forget that i can still see individual people yeah and it's yeah it's crazy um but having that completely taken out of the equation especially with the way that i communicate with crowds and the way that i try and get them involved and there's loads of crowd participation i'm very much kind of working with them to create the the actual gig and that is hard when you've got i think the smallest gig was like 60 people Really, I think it's the only gig I've done for an incredibly long time where I made on made eye contact with every single member of the audience at some point, which changes the kind of shape of the thing. Because normally, if even if it's seated, but there's a lot of them, they feel like they're one one thing, and I treat them as kind of one organism, but taking that out of the equation and dealing with like two people sitting on chairs there and then over there, another two people sitting in chairs was, yeah, you could feel, you could feel their fear. And it was partly fear of being picked on by me, which is valid. Um, and <laughs> partly like if I did try and get them to do anything, they're very aware that the people next to them will know where it's coming from. And it's Yeah. Well, there's a separation. So there's sort of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. It was it was weird. Like I'm very very glad I did it. We had some amazing. Yeah. Well, it's a unique experience for those people. It's a very you know incredible memory for them to have that feeling of that intimate kind of style of gig and something that you know you'll never forget and neither will they. I'm sure. Um, it's like yeah, it's intense. So let's let's talk about your song choices and um let's start with mr blue sky so elo you know tell me about this song what it because your choices today as well are so interesting and very very varied um and and it's always such a little window into someone's world and someone's life as to what kind of music makes them tick but tell me for for you what this song is about and kind of what it references in life it's one of the first songs i remember getting into as a child 
So I think they like my parents had an amazing record collection. They were always playing stuff, and they'd be stuff. And I think, and I think at one point, my dad kind of took me to one side. and was like, "I'm going to play you this. This is one of my favorite songs ever." There's and he had it on vinyl. He had the a classic one with the big spaceship on the front. Can't remember the name of the album. I think it's Into the Blue, but I'm not sure. Um, and he made me look at the sleeve, and it was like I just remember it was such a a kind of fully rounded experience, and it's still. Like, I can't hear it without instantly seeing my dad playing it to me. Really? And it's one of those, it's one of my earliest kind of musical memory songs. And it just, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's one of those songs that is impossible not to enjoy because it's just stupidly happy and brilliant. Yeah. yeah. There's loads of um, there's loads of polls they've done that says it's like one of the happiest songs out there. It genuinely, people say that it lifts them. Yeah. Yeah, that and maybe Shake It Off. And then I've played it to my son and my son sings along and it's, yeah, it's kind of one of those, one of those ones that just feels like it's always, it's always kind of been there for me. Yeah. And it was one of the first things. And I remember as I got into music, I started analyzing it more and was like, Hang on, this is really clever. Like, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, now that you're playing it to your son, do you now sort of, and I know this is almost a frustrating thing as a musician, but do you sort of break it down a bit musically and go, oh, oh, okay, I'm hearing this. No, I've, I've analysed, stolen, <laughs> grabbed all kinds of bits of it and fiddled with it. And it's just, I mean, it's very much part of how I enjoy music now. It is, that is a weird thing because I remember, like if I'm, if I'm downstairs in the kitchen, like tidying up or cooking, I tend not to listen to stuff, especially if I've been doing music all day. Yeah. I just want to put on Rick and Morty or something. Oh, stupid I love and- Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> just pop it on and just kind of zone out in a visual way this the, honestly Nita so if you ask my husband what I do and it literally is exactly that I'm like put something with bright colors that's a cartoon in front of me I don't even want to take it in but I just need something that's like white noise <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what I crave whereas my my fiance is a casting director and she wants to put on loud music and dance around the kitchen right <laughs> and it's always a bit of like can we this is really hurting my brain. Yeah, this is really all intense can, for me. <laughs> yeah, all I can hear is the hi-hat that they've used. <laughs> and I can hear the reverbs. And I know which reverbs they are. Uh, I'm just going to turn my aircon off. It's just started leaking. It does that. Yeah, of course. Oh, no. I just had to move, I just had to move the bucket. <laughs> Sorry. It's a classic. Um, it's a classic recording studio thing as well. When you're like, "Can we turn that off while we're recording?" <laughs> is it? Is it all right? Yeah, it'll be okay. fine. Just... Well, well, you can you can keep an eye on it while we have a listen to some of Mr. Blue Sky now. So here we go. Here's ELO, Mr. Blue Sky. <laughs> Welcome to the Celebration, the blue skies up there waiting, and today is the day we waited for. Ah. Oh, Mr. Blue Sky, please tell us why you had to hide away for so long time. Where did we go wrong? Hey there, Mr. Blue, Mr. Blue, to be with you.
So good. As you said, yeah, from the album Out of the Blue, released 1977. And also, I can't believe ELO never won a Grammy. Um, no. And then they did Jeff Lynne and Richard Tandy perform the song with Ed Sheeran at the Grammy Awards in 2015. And apparently it was like the most Shazam song that there's ever been. Like, So people obviously know this song, but they don't know who it's by or you know how, how to find it which is so interesting so it is it's one of those where I reckon even maybe five years ago if you'd have asked me I'd go I know it I, I don't know who it's by it's I don't know what it is about that kind of iconic music we don't necessarily look into who it's written by it's just always been there maybe yeah I was the other there's a there's a Paul McCartney and oh, I can't remember, it was like a massive rapper that he did a track with and loads of people like Loads of people were getting involved, be like, who's that old guy? He's quite good. It's like, wow. <laughs> really? I bet he hated that as well. <laughs> must have done. Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, that is so brutal, isn't it? Oh, no. Um, yeah, but what a great, does that, and obviously, as you say, it gives you that immediate kind of memory back in your mind. Because sometimes music is, for people, it's about a time in their life that's like, it's a it's a big space, it's a big amount of time. This is obviously quite a specific memory for you. And do you, do you listen to it now in headphones? I know you said you play it for, for your son and does yeah. he enjoy it? Yeah, I've got, well, I've got it on vinyl downstairs. So you'd have, so you'd play it out loud when you're listening to it. It's not something yeah. you can kind of listen by yourself alone. No, no, it's very, yeah, it's very much like a kind of party time. Yeah. We do, every morning we have a dance to a track. Um, and that's where my where my son's here and my fiance and we kind of all just have a just to get everyone in a good mood. We just yeah. have like a morning disco, and we've yeah, it's been on that more than once. I love years. that. I love that. My my daughter's eighteen months old and she loves dancing mm. to Fleetwood Mac everywhere. Like nice. the moment it starts, she goes <laughs> gets really excited. And um, but if I sing to her, she says if I sing like you know, nursery rhyme or anything. She goes, no, 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 no. Every time. Yeah. So, so imagine, imagine what that feels like. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm like, what? Am I that bad? Anyway, we'll move on to Madeline Peru. Oh my goodness. What a song choice. What? Oh my, just tell me like, how did you discover her? I mean, she's absolutely incredible, but for people who might not know about her, you know, how did she kind of come into her, come into your life and her music too? I was in my mum's car, which is like a little like mini Cooper with the roof down. And she was picking me up from the station. And it was a little time. She discovered loads of artists and introduced me to them in quite a short period of time. It was this and the Big Good Tanyas were amazing. I highly recommend that. They've done some great stuff. They've got an album. It's a blue album with a train on it that's, I mean, it's amazing from start to finish. It's an incredible piece of work. Um, but yeah, so I got into a car and the sun was shining and she was like, oh, can I play you, can I play you a song? It's like my favourite song. And she put it on. And I, I was kind of like, yeah, my mum's playing me a song. Like, let's see, let's see what we've got. I was just completely fell in love with it immediately. It's just such an incredible piece of, like the production's so clean and immaculate and, all the sounds creepy and the way the organ comes in from like the side and with the rotary thing going crazy. And it's just so, it's so perfect. And writing wise, it's just such a beautiful sentiment and her, 
Her vocals are always astonishing, but on that track, just the tone and sound is is just unbelievable. And do you think it's, you know, something to do with, I've talked about this before, but the way that production's moved on so much, is it something about the simplicity of it and of her vocals that maybe are kind of untouched that makes it special? Yeah, I mean, it's very real. Mm. It's very played. You can hear the, I don't, I was trying to guess if things have been done on tape or if things have been done in, in like some kind of box and it is it's getting to the stage now where it is very hard to tell yeah you and can that's... go like from tape into the machines and kind of feed things round and round and but it does feel it feels very analog i feel like that's something about jazz though that is always like you say it's been rehearsed it's been played live over and over again it's just yeah. it just sits in a space and it's just finished you know it's there and that's yeah. how it will always be yeah that's yeah, beautiful. Thing. It's such a beautiful piece of music. I, I didn't. I've, I've, I know it, but I don't know it well. And I listened to it like four or five times when I knew. Yeah. So this is so nice. Go back to the beginning. Um, one thing I haven't checked is who wrote it. I think it might be a Bob Dylan song. I think. I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I. Yeah. yeah, and I just. I think also it's. I was really interested in her story of how she kind of found music because it seems like she found music in a very real way as well, just by bringing people together and playing music for the love of it. So I think that kind of translates into when you hear her sing it in in, in this track as well. It's very playful and she's really, you can tell she's just completely kind of free in there. The way she moves is, yeah, the way she moves vocally and rhythmically is just just amazing. It is beautiful. I've seen her live a couple of times. Less, um, yeah. Oh, what what was that like? Amazing. Was it? Yeah, again, very purposely stripped back and, and simple. I think the lights were just, I think it was literally just a light. I don't remember it changing. It was just like one light on all of them and that. And then they just did what they did. Isn't that crazy though? Because you compare that to something like a Super Bowl halftime performance of, you know, yeah. and the insane production, which is yeah. just ridiculous. And it is insane. Just the fact that people can sing when they dance like that, I think to me is quite incredible to actually make a sound at the same time as doing all these other things. But then both yeah, of their no plays. Idea how people do that. <laughs> I had a friend that was a tech on the Pink Tour. And I was like, how, how was it? He's like, she is. Like just amazing. I have no idea. Like she's upside down. Yeah. She's furiously dancing and spinning around and still singing, and no one really understands how. Yeah, yeah. And at the end, you just get a. <laughs> You're like, come on, guys! I've just done the splits. Anyway, let's have a listen to some of Madeline Beiru, who I don't think will be doing that kind of workout on stage. But oh, yeah. yeah, I can't see her going in that direction. No, I don't think so. <laughs> that would be a severe right angle, as we say. So let's listen to Lonesome when you go. Can't remember what I'm thinking of. You might be spoiling me too much, love. You're gonna make me lonesome when you go. Talking back and forth in rhyme. Blue River running slow and lazy. Oh, it's so good. It is just, it's perfect. It is perfect. There's just nothing you change about it. It just, just works. It's beautiful. Absolutely. And as I was saying, yeah, she, she started singing with street musicians, I think in, in Paris. And I don't know, I kind of think to myself, if I heard her singing, on the street, I don't think I'd ever sort of walk away. I'd just sit there and listen. And 
Oh, yeah. so beautiful. Yeah, I, a, I think she's done something recently that I haven't heard yet. I need to double check. Oh, really? Yeah, we'll have to, I'll have to listen to that. Yeah, she's definitely one to watch. Ridiculous we can. If you like this podcast, then why not check out one of our other amazing Create podcasts? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. If you just want a good laugh, then check out The Weekly Roast. Listen. Listen, bitch. Oh, Listen. Make, make, make bitches. an entrance. I'm a week off sugar. Uh, I will. I will fly <laughs> to the UK and I will cut you both. <laughs> well, maybe it's just a good goss you're after. Georgie Porter and Sharon Carpenter are your go-to girls on Loose Lips. So it's got mine, girth, though. It's got girth. Yeah. Mine, mine, mine is quite spindly and, and flaccid. This is like long. Prefer a deep chat? Connie's got you covered on How Are You, the well-being podcast. I just became a lot more productive and happier. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, that's just worth it. Just three more podcasts to feast your ears on. Find them wherever you found this podcast. So let's move on to something completely different. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Mongolian folk, folk music. Oh, <laughs> Talking about Mongolian. I mean, I've done a bit of research on this because I had no idea, but I really think you should probably explain, you know, what this song means to you and and what it's all about. You'd never ask. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I think it was between between albums a while ago, I went on a very purposeful hunt for things that I hadn't heard before. Right. Dug around like crazy in the weirdest corners of music I could find, and one of my favourite things I came across was the album "This This Tracks Off" by Hong Jai. And is that how you say it? I'm really glad you said it before I had to introduce it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. To be I don't know. I like it. Let's go with it. I think I heard them say it because I found some videos and stuff, and it's as 
pretty out there. In fact, there's a video of them in Amsterdam. It's, it's amazing because it's so out of place. <laughs> uh, and I found, yeah, I found this. Yeah, this, I mean, this album's quite folk. They've actually gone really heavy. They've gone quite the rock, haven't they now? They've gone quite yeah. rock. They've also, when I first came across them, I think it had literally like less than a thousand plays. And I was like, this is amazing. Why has this got less than a thousand plays? Everyone should listen to this and just told everyone. That <laughs> and then, yeah, now it's millions and millions. And then one of the biggest bands kind of in that, in that area. And it's a mixture of, there's a few that obviously the instrumentation is instruments that I don't even know the names of. Mm. There's lots of very, very unique kind of bespoke Mongolian folk instruments um, that have a unique sound and things. That's mixed with kind of steel string acoustic guitars. There's usually a banjo kicking around somewhere, and I've definitely heard stuff that I do recognize, but it's mixed with all these other things. One of the other things that is fascinating is because the language is the intonation changes the meaning of words. Okay. So if a word goes down, it means something different to if it goes up. And there's another am- amazing track off this album called Flowers, which I highly recommend checking out. Okay. It's, sounds like sounds like the beginning of like a Tarantino film. It's got this weird kind of super cool vibe about it. It's an awesome track. Um, but yeah, so that leads to some really interesting moments where the vocal just goes down or up and you're like, why would you do that? That's amazing. Um, but with this track, I'd, so I discovered it like a, a couple of years earlier and then I, I played it in the background while I was, while I was cooking, I was making my son dinner and he was like, what is this song? I love this. And he was like, can you rewind it? And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll rewind it. He was tiny at the time as well. Sorry, he's 10 now. So was, I was, that was him now. At the time, I, I don't think he could entirely talk. Yeah. But he definitely wanted to hear it again. He was, so we were around it. And, he, and then he was like, this is my favorite song. This is my favorite song. <laughs> and then it's probably my proudest moment as a father at that point. How about one said. Um, but I walked by and he's sitting there like putting bricks together and he's singing. He's singing this song, which is in, I don't even know what language it's in. It's similar to Mandarin. Yeah, I think they use Mongolian and Mandarin. I can make sure. Mongolian, Mandarin. So, and he's there in his tiny little baby voice (laughs) going, and putting bricks together and I was like this is just the best thing that's ever happened that is incredible uh, and that was I mean he must be like five tiny that's amazing though as well because at that age I know I've been trying to teach my daughter like a few French words I know because you know that their their brain at this young age is just like a sponge right they just they take everything yeah. in and also the fact that everything is new and exciting and and we yeah. lose that as we get older and I think when you see that joy on their face and music uh, genuinely 
whether I was a singer or musician or not, but with younger people, with babies and with kids, when music comes into play, it, it is just this world for them of this experience. Yeah. It's insane when you yeah. see that kind of reaction. And that obviously happened with him. It was just something in it made him feel alive and amazing. And that's yeah. amazing. what a story. And I think it's partly that kind of, I think of it as quite a Jewish thing, but that kind of slow speed up the, Yes. That's just gradually. You can kind of imagine people start, cla- yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, ironically, it's the drinking song. All about getting out. What would he have? He'd have milk instead of a beer, right? It'd be milk at that age, heavily yeah. drinking milk. <laughs> it's in a language he doesn't understand yet. Yeah. So that. That's good. I got away with that. <laughs> let's um, um, let's have a listen to some of it now, and it I m- might be quite, uh, for a lot of people listening, probably be a new piece of music to them as well. So we'll talk a bit more about it afterwards. But this is. Do you want to introduce them with the band's name, the drinking song? This is Hung Jai with drinking song. Nice. <laughs> so good so i think uh, you were completely right in the sense that they uh when i was reading about the band they use banjos and the reason they use them allegedly is so that they create that sort of seamless sound into the modern world of instruments compared to the more traditional ones that we don't recognize and they use yeah mongolian mandarin um and they a lot of the stuff that they sing about is like you say that's obviously a drinking song but a lot of it is that traditional folk kind of sound where it's about it's about the landscape isn't it it's about sort of those that folklore and and the environment that they're in and i think yeah they're massive now there's an amazing one that's just about horses is there but i never get i've never got it translated because i was basically i thought i love this and it's happened before when i got I was really, I was listening to quite a lot of dance hall at one point. And then so, like, I was really enjoying it just rhythmically. I was like, this is so clever and just cool and seamless and just loads of good stuff. And then after listening to it for a little while, I started understanding what they were saying. Yeah. And it was at that point that I had to stop listening to it because really? the content was not okay. Oh, and this is, this is, so this is really interesting because obviously part of, my kind of singing world and classical music is always to translate it. It's always to know what you're singing about. And so it's so much of it is in a different language, but I agree with you actually pieces of music I've fallen in love with when I've translated them into English, I've gone, Oh, yeah, it's just, I don't really love singing it as much anymore. Yeah. It's a weird one. Mm. So with this, I've actually never translated any of the lyrics. I'm just left. sorry, this whole studio. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's falling apart. <laughs> That was, actually, that was an amazing thing. That was a digital trumpet. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, I've this, never this, seen anything like that. I know. It's out of batteries at the moment, but it is, you can Wait, do some crazy stuff with that. That makes trumpet sounds. Uh, well, it's a saxophone. Sorry, it was a digital horn. I mean, it's not really anything. Okay. Um, but, yeah, you blow it and you can play it. 
You can use it to control other things. I did blow a bass line once, but that's not good. <laughs> that's amazing. So you can use that like you'd use a keyboard to write in something. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Everyone needs a an electric horn instrument. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. There's your sound bite for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway, on to your last choice. So this is, I know from obviously, you know, doing my research that this is probably a very special piece of music. Um, Deep, deep down, Eric Roche, like tell me about obviously your experience. He was your, one of your guitar teachers, right? When you were learning. Probably still my my biggest musical influence in terms of how he how he taught people to approach music so there's obviously like loads of technical stuff which was the kind of physicality and the the theory which is one one part of of doing music and there's a lot of people that get very good technically and you're like, oh, that's so clever and so cool, but you don't, it doesn't make you feel anything. And it's, that's the most important bit. And it's not about playing really fast. It's not about being really clever. It's about communicating ideas. And it's quite easy to get caught up in the technical side of things, which I definitely have done in the past. I've done, I've written like pieces of guitar music, which, are basically just to make me, they're almost like exercises. Um, but it's, it's having something to say and it's having an idea behind what you're doing. And it's, yeah, it's, it's communication. That is the most, the most, like any style, any type of music, it's about communicating ideas. And I feel that's what he really instilled in me when I was, when he was teaching me and, I still very much try and carry that through everything that I do and not get caught up in doing like just production or, or any of the other kind of multiple things I have to do at the moment. I'm arranging stuff for tour and that's unbelievably technically challenging in terms of the setup I'm trying to use and I'm trying to trigger samplers. Yeah. Trigger analog instruments to run sequences from the MIDI from a loop pedal and like all of that, but all of that is to accurate accurately. Why can't I say that word? Anyway, accurately <laughs> communicate ideas, and that's that's the thing that he instilled in me the most. And the the idea behind this piece of music, which he played me just to me on my own in between classes. And it was just after his daughter had been born. And it was basically how his daughter being born made him feel in music. It's the most beautiful thing ever. Yeah. And I think, oh, I'm not going to say anything else. We should just have a listen to some of it because that's such a beautiful story. So let's have a listen now. Here it comes.
I, I, for me as well, I, as a singer, and I obviously play a bit of other instruments, but I also think it's incredibly talented to be able to get across so much emotion just through one instrument. I mean, to, to hold an audience as you must be able, you know, you can do this yourself, but to have a teacher like that, that is able to hold your attention just by the way that they play music and the sounds, because we attach so much emotion to words, don't we, all the time. But actually having that, I feel like maybe that's what's so special about it as well, because it's just instrumental. You can kind of add what emotion you want to it yourself, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I listen to loads of instrumental stuff, and I find it, if I go back to the music that makes me the most emotional, it's all, it's all instrumental. It's stuff like, really? and, uh, is it Arvo Pear? Yes, yeah. It just does stuff that you just cannot help but feel. Like and it. I was thinking when you were talking about your setup as well, uh, Niels Fram came to mind with how he, he manipulates so many different things. But even though he's doing like multitasking like crazy, there's that moment where the music will resolve. And I literally, I remember seeing him live and the hairs, like yeah, all over, I was like, oh my God, it was yeah, absolutely incredible. Amazing. I love him to bits. I've got some of his finals downstairs, actually. Just so good. And does that does that bring back? I mean, obviously, as well for people who might not know, you know, he uh, Eric Roche, he died at the age of thirty seven from throat yeah. cancer. So it's obviously a very tragic, really tragic story of someone who had so much to give musically. And yeah, yeah it must be quite a hard hard thing for you to to think about. But hopefully, his music is kind of a bit of solace in that. Oh, definitely. And I still I still come back to it. And one of his his friends, and actually the first the first guitarist I ever heard in this genre, because there was a very short period of time when I must have been between 16 and 18, where I thought I'd invented a whole new thing. I was like, oh, because if I take the bass thing, I can go slappity slappity, and I can to bap on the thing, and I can go diddly diddly bum de bap bap, and that's, no one's ever done that before. And then I took it to the, a, a guitar teacher, and it was like, oh, well, that's that's a bit like this guy. And I was like, oh, God damn it. Yeah, damn you. <laughs> he played me Thomas Lieb. And it was basically everything I just thought I thought I just invented, but done a million times better than I could conceive at that point. And him and Eric had quite a competitive relationship where they were both constantly trying to outdo each other, but were also really good friends. Uh, and I'm still, like, I've, I've done tracks with, with Thomas and I'm in touch with Eric Roach's whole family. And That's so it, lovely. Yeah, it's amazing. Like I, if I do a gig in, in Ireland, like his, his parents will always come down and I'll talk to them afterwards. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's amazing to kind of keep something, keep something going. Yeah. And, and is that, you know, would you play some of his music when you're doing a live show as well? Or is it something that you keep in a box I, in a special place? Yeah, I never have. I think I'd actually, I think that would, that would hit me really hard. Yeah. Because I wrote, I wrote a song just about him um, on the second album. That's right. You did like a kind of dedicated piece of music. Yeah. Which I tried to play live, I think three or four times and did not get to the end of. Really? I can't do it. I can't, I just can't. Wow. Um, as few, it's not the only. I've written quite a few things that I actually just can't do because <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, I do. Like I write about real things and real feelings, and if it's like a happy thing, that's great. And sometimes, 
I mean, sometimes you do write stuff because it's what you need to hear. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like the advice you give to other people. It's usually the advice that you actually need. Yeah, you should take yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but can't for whatever reason. And it's, yeah, there's a lot of that. There's Yeah, there's quite a few songs that I can't, I can't do. I can't, I can't get there. But that's, you um, know, that's also something that maybe they're not meant to be played just yet for people to hear and, and maybe they are something that's for you and it's a process. And yeah. that's the beautiful thing about music, isn't it? It has a place. Every every piece of music has a place and a time. And and for, for it's different for every person as well. I know there's there's certain, there's one song I know I can't sing, but I didn't write it. So I imagine that's very different when it's come from a place of, you know, right from the heart. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of go, yeah. I mean, I'm very much, I take the the kind of acting bit of singing quite seriously. Mm-hmm. I think it's, again, comes back to it being about communication and not about just doing technical things in time and in tune. Yeah, definitely. And I think to to actually communicate the ideas that you were feeling when you were writing it, I do try and almost like kind of method sing to a certain point, kind of really put myself back in that in that place. Mm. and it's yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely hard at times it's definitely things that I kind of get to the end and have to take like a quick moment and be like okay I made it to the end yeah. of the song I just need to recenter so myself out just okay. give me a second guys I'll be back I'll be right back I know I, I agree with you completely and I know that from um, when I've sung something that's in a different language, it's you know you've kind of done a good job. If someone says I had no idea what you were singing about, but it was brilliant and I felt something, you know, yeah, I mean, and you're I- like, great, I got across an emotion, you know, that I was trying to say, even though it was in a different language for them. Yeah, so. yeah, of course. yeah definitely. Okay, so this is where I make a song suggestion for you at oh, the end yeah. of the podcast, um, and it was very difficult because I think there's a lot of. Uh, rightfully so a lot of emotion attached to each one of these songs we talked about and they're all so with it they're so different but there's definitely a thread that runs through but I definitely wasn't going to choose like a guitarist to play you because I think that would just be I don't know I am not an expert I don't know enough and I'm not going to claim to be in any way but I am going to play something that is what I think is beautiful music and something that is done in a very unique way. And I think that's something that you do so well. And it's two artists coming together. It's Yo-Yo Ma, who's a cellist, Mm -hmm. and Chris Bossy, who's the most insane trumpeter. I mean, just, and the sounds that they make from their instruments are amazing, but I never expected them to sound like this when they worked Mm -hmm. together. Um, And it's a piece of music by Ennio Morricone. You'll know it. It's a a cinematic piece of music, a cinema paradiso, but I've never heard an arrangement like this. So you have to promise me you'll listen to the whole thing afterwards. I'm going to write it down. Yeah, but we only have obviously like a little uh, section to play now, but let's have a listen to it. There's a jazz element I feel like might connect with you. There's, yeah, just, I don't know. Let's have a listen. You can tell me if I'm barking up the wrong tree or not. Here it comes. enjoying that no I definitely I know I'm gonna write it down so I'm yeah I definitely remember it 
Yeah, have a listen to the whole thing. And it's it's a live version. So I don't think they've recorded it either. So it's one of those moments that I feel like it's only ever going to happen once. And yeah. it just worked in that moment. And I just thought it was an interesting reference to what we're talking about with Madeline Peru. And, yeah, 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 definitely. And a cello is a stringed instrument. So we sort of got a type of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there is another song that I'll send you to listen to that I was thinking about to do with the drinking song, which is yeah. a piece of folk music I love, but I haven't got it with me right now, but I'll send it to you. It's definitely a vibe that it's worth listening to. Newton, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk to. Oh, that's been lovely. And yeah, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, I do definitely, and I wish you obviously all the best of luck with the new album, new music, performing people without without row four being empty next time. Yes, that would be nice. Thank you. I really hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. And I'd love to hear about your favorite piece of music. So make sure you pop a comment on Apple reviews with your song choice and the story behind it. I'm going to be reading out some of your stories in an upcoming minisode. Also, we've now put our guest song choices in the show notes. So if you want to hear any of their songs again, you can find them there. Thanks so much, guys, and see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.